You're listening to the Save the Marriage Podcast. Your marriage can be saved and strengthened if you have the right information. Join Dr. Lee Bauckham as he explores ways for you to improve your relationship and your life, starting right now. Hey, this is Lee Balkum, and this is the Save the Marriage Podcast. This is the podcast that I designed to help you save your marriage wherever you are in that process. You could be on the edge of disaster, or maybe you're realizing that you need to polish some things up to, to get it ready, to make sure you avoid the problems down the road, or maybe you're somewhere in between. And today, I'm kind of talking about an overall process that people need to keep in mind, because a lot of times I think we go in to marriage with some misconceptions about what your spouse is, not so much about what marriage is, although that's a whole different conversation you may have heard me have, because what I talk about is the fact that the marriage is about becoming a we, not not this glob that, that roams around the world as if there are now you know two heads to this one body, but two strong people coming together. And the problem is those two strong people coming together often make assumptions about what their spouse should be, what their spouse should be providing to them. Now, let me just caution you to that word that I've used a couple of times already, and that's the word should. Um, A lot of uh, scientists, a lot of psychologists talk about some key words that we use. The neuroscientists talk about how our brain processes things. So should is based in some ways in the shame model of an expectation that's there. We have some expectation. When I say I should be doing this, it's usually something that I'm feeling bad about. You know, I should be helping out the neighbors. I should be whatever it is. And in some ways, I'm shaming myself. But there's another layer when we apply it to others, and that's an expectation. This person should be doing this. The problem is, most of the time, those expectations that we have throughout life kind of fail. In fact, I find that one of the real issues that many people have is they live in expectations. They expect somebody to do something. That's also a whole nother conversation, one that I've, I've actually had in the past in these trainings, where when we live in expectations, we're already creating a problem. And, and so today, I want to go a little bit deeper in some pieces of that expectation. What's behind that expectation? And one of the things that I often see is that people live in this expectation, this should of what my spouse should be doing for me. And today I want to talk about what your spouse isn't. And hopefully that's going to shed some light for you on thinking differently about who this person is that you married and and what it is you can expect, and that's a dangerous word, what it is that is an unfair expectation. I think that's probably a more clear place that we want to delve in today. So I'm going to start with one that as soon as I say it, you're going to say, well, of course, but I want to just note that I watch many people who live within this, that they're expecting their spouse to be perfect. So your spouse isn't perfect. And as soon as I say that, you say, of course, they're not perfect. And then somewhere behind that, there's probably a, but they should be <laughs> more perfect, right? They should be more than they are. And, and so one of the, the things I see is people often try to get their spouse to be more perfect. So let's just acknowledge your spouse isn't perfect and won't be perfect. And not only that, your spouse isn't even your project to get to perfection. 
we get to apply that to ourselves, right? I mean, you may do many things in life to, to learn more, to grow more, to change more. And, and maybe it's trying out new things. Maybe it's going to therapy or getting coaching. Maybe it's going to some seminar to learn lots. Maybe it's reading or listening to things or, you know, maybe even delving into a course like my program. And so there are things that we can do on ourselves to be more perfect. And that doesn't mean we expect that we're going to be perfect. It's just that we're working on perfection. The problem in this one, though, is that when we apply it to a spouse. And one of the core places that that's a problem is because we don't have control over that. Whenever we're trying to control something we can't and we become responsible for something of which we are not, we're creating our own, for lack of a better word, hell. Because now we're chasing after something that is impossible for us to ever get to. So what do I mean by your spouse isn't perfect? Well, your spouse is going to make mistakes. And some of those mistakes are probably going to hurt your feelings. And sometimes they're even going to fail at what they're trying. And that's part of being human. And the thing is that we often apply the expectation that they're going to be different than that to ourselves. Many times in an office, I'll have somebody who keeps lobbying these things of mistakes or hurts or failures that a spouse has done, and they're launching them back and forth at each other without recognizing that that's being human. That's not going to change. In fact, you know, even after a marriage is saved, that doesn't mean it's saved because you're now perfect. And many times people tell me that you know, they thought their spouse was going to change. And so I start talking about percentages, like are they, is there a percent of the time when they're doing better at different things? Is that going up? Not are they 100%, but are they doing more percentage-wise, more of what you kind of agreed to, you're working on? So maybe 100% of the time arguments were going off the rails, and now that happens 20% of the time. Well, that's a drastic improvement. And so as we begin to think through this, just to be aware that, and, and, and as soon as I start talking about these other things they're not, it's going to be clear. We can't expect a spouse to be perfect. And that's not something we want applied to ourselves, just to kind of point that out. So let's get a little more granular about a certain number of other things that I think are equally dangerous to this so number one, or I guess number two, because the first one is they're not perfect. So we've, we can acknowledge that and go on to the next one, which is your spouse isn't your validation. And this happens on so many levels. Uh, many times I watch somebody trying to gain their family's validation or society's validation or their own self-validation. And those are actually all the same things. Whenever we're trying to find validation, validation happens for uh, many people in the mirror, right? We're looking for that outward sense. And so I've watched people who have uh, expected a spouse to bring validation to them, whether it's, you know, as they finally arrived at adulthood or they've become successful or they've married success or they have kids or it's finally okay to go back home because now you've got the spouse. But there are other layers to it like validating you as a person. And the fact is that nobody can do that. I, I talked about the mirror, right? But that's a dead end. 
nobody can actually validate and that's the the problem whenever we start using the outside references to validate ourselves we have a problem because as soon as that is at risk we feel like we're in trouble. We feel the panic, right? We feel that whole um, ostracism that we might have felt as a, as a teenager or as a young person because that's where this begins. In our teen years, we try to validate ourselves by our friends and our, poor, our peer group. And that's a first layer of that. But as we get to adulthood, we can begin to validate ourselves by looking at how we move through the world, how what accomplishments we make uh, for ourselves that we can look at, how we hold ourselves, how we judge ourselves uh, based on not necessarily even these external measurements, but internally, right? Not on how much money I'm making, but how am I contributing to the world? How loyal am I? How truthful am I? How honest am I? How much do I work on my deeper meaning and purpose? Those are some great points of validation, but they're internal, right? I learned long ago that I can't judge myself on how others judge me, but how I am putting it forth the effort, you know? And, and so if you get an email from me or a letter from me, I sign it faithfully because I believe that what I try to do most of all is be faithful to who I am, to who you are, and to how that represents in the world. But that isn't something that anybody else can give to me. And the problem is many people expect that from their spouse. And see that word, expect it from their spouse. You're supposed to validate me. You're supposed to make me feel okay. You're supposed to be 100% unconditionally loving towards me and validating me. And that's a false expectation. It's also impossible. And so let me just now be careful because many times when I say your spouse can't validate you, that's not what your spouse is. Your spouse is not your validation. Then people say, so what about the invalidation I feel from my spouse? That's a whole separate thing. If your spouse is truly invalidating you, that's a symptom of a possibility, several possibilities. One is that there is something psychologically, a deficit in your spouse. Um, that they're invalidating others to feel better about themselves. That's a possibility. That they are invalidating others because they have um, some deeper-seated issues with uh, attachment or connection or self-esteem or any of those other pieces. So that, that is one possibility. The other is that it's often a symptom of the disconnection and the disdain and anger that comes out of that. And so many times people will tell me how their spouse validated them for years and now they feel invalidated by their spouse. Well, they made a mistake on the front end of believing that that was what the spouse could do. And then they're making the mistake on the back end of believing that that's solely about the deficit of a spouse rather than a deficit of the relationship. Is it possible something's going on with a spouse? Yeah. It's also possible that there's, that's going on with us. And many times I've had this conversation while I've watched spouses wanting validation from the other and watching as both are desperate from the other, but unwilling to give it to the other. So my spouse should validate me, but I shouldn't have to do that for my spouse. And so you see the dead end of this. If both people are going, you know, they should validate me, but that's not my responsibility to do that for them. We get in our myopic world. So the first thing your spouse isn't is your validation. 
The second thing your spouse isn't is your competition or your adversary. And I see this so often in marriages that are in trouble is that it becomes a me versus you. You know, we're competing with each other for resources, for attention, uh, for importance, um, for you know, all these things that just don't belong in a partnership. It's almost a, uh, a tripping point for many people because whenever there are two people in a room, they often are going to end up in some ways trying to figure out who's better at certain things, right? They become competitive with each other. And, uh, and so that's kind of the, the, the thing about this is it's easy to fall into that trap. Very rough example. My wife and I have started playing pickleball lately, as it appears the whole world is doing. And so uh, we're very, very basic beginners. But I want you to imagine the difference between me being across the net from my spouse playing pickleball with her, right? I'm trying to beat her. She's trying to beat me versus us playing on the same side of the court together, playing against our opponents, right? We're working to support each other. And there are times when maybe you think your spouse should have made that shot or your spouse should have let you make the shot or, you know, it's so many ways that that could play out. But basically your, your task, your goal together is to win the match, support each other to get there, but to win the match or, or win at life to, to broaden it back to marriage and to see each other as partners in this, as teammates on the same team. And part of the task of that is bringing your best self Right. So if we're out playing pickleball, I could say, oh, fine, you know, you just take all the balls. I'm not going to hit any of them back. Well, that's not being a teammate. Or I could say, I'm going to hit all the balls. You don't have the right to any of them. I'm going to show everybody how great I am and how I'm dragging this forward. Again, we're no longer being a team. Right. I'm being a hot dog. And so we play this out in many ways in this competition in life. Who makes more money? Uh, who takes more responsibility of the kids, the house, the car, the yard, the whatever, right? Um, who uh, gets attention, who doesn't, who uh, makes decisions, who doesn't. I mean, all, so many layers become competitive rather than asking a question about what is our response to this? This is our resource, right? That's one of the big shifts that have to happen in marriage to see the, the money coming into the house is our resource, Everything in the house is our resources and decisions is our decisions and how they impact us as being the primary decision makers in the family because that's, that's how you do it as a team. What helps us play better? What helps us move forward and win the game? So your spouse isn't your competition or your adversary. They're your partner, your teammate. Now, Another layer of that is to understand your spouse isn't, and I don't know how else to phrase this other than to say, your completer. You know, thank you to uh, one particular movie where the line is, you complete me. You know, we have fallen into the trap of believing that somehow a spouse has to complete us. And uh, nobody, nobody can complete us. That's our task to complete ourselves. And if we come into a marriage expecting the other person to complete us when they A, don't, or B, don't do it the way we want, we have a problem. There's a lot of research that shows that when people believe that there is the one 
the one person in the world that is your perfect match, your perfect spouse, the one, that they are at a higher possibility of divorce than somebody who thinks that, you know, that's, it's a, a matter of working it out and finding the right person as much as you can, right? The one versus the right person as much as you can. That's the difference. Because the one means that everything should work out, you know, fairy tale ending, happily ever after. And so when you find you believe the one and you have problems, now you've got a problem in your underlying belief system. That's the completer model, right? This is the perfect person for me, the only person for me. And instead, the better task is to say, how can we work together to make sure that we're each working on our own completion? And again, we're never going to get there. This is not about perfection, but about perfecting. How do we move in that direction as individuals? You're never going to have a perfect marriage but you can be perfecting your marriage. You can be working towards that as much as you can. Related to that is that many people expect their, their spouse to be their mirror, that somehow we should be alike. And, and this is often based in the fact that lots of uh, websites that are there for dating are there based on a uh, compatibility model. You know, you take a test and you say, oh, you're compatible with these people. Here's the problem. There is zero research that shows that compatibility leads to successful marriages. Yes, there are people who fall into the birds of a feather flock together, and peas in a pod, that those analogies work for some people. Opposites attract work for other people. And so it's not about that. It's not about being a mirror for each other where you look in and go, oh, we're just alike. We have the same psychology. We have the same profile. That isn't the model. How are you complementary? How do we work together? Not compatible, but complementary. How do we bring our best strengths to where our, maybe our spouse is weak? You know, sometimes I've worked with businesses where the partners just have zero differences of opinion. And they're like, oh, we never disagree on anything. And my response is, one of you doesn't need to be here then. Go do something else, right? I mean, if, you, if you're not bringing anything new to this. But if you can do something to broaden the perspective. And this is the kind of the two heads are better than one. More ideas are helpful. Different perspectives bring different ways of understanding the world. And the more we do that, the more of a partnership we develop. All those pieces is what we're talking about here. So part of our task is to figure out how to be complementary with each other, how to fit together with each other, not how to mirror. So that brings us to what is or should be. What is your spouse or should be your spouse? And again, I just use that word again. But what you're working towards is being support for each other, for being able to stand together and, and support each other. Remember, I've talked so much about connection that that's, that's a cornerstone of connection is to feel like you're supported by each other. You're standing together in this, that you're teammates in this, that you have a confidant, that you can share your fears and your hopes and your dreams and, and all of those pieces together. That's what your spouse is or could be. The problem is we so often fall into these traps that reduce our spouse to something they can't be. 
If you find yourself stuck in this mire, understand that that is often the end result of disconnection. It is also many times the beginning points of disconnection, and we've got to work on rebuilding that. One way you can do that is to use my system, my program. It's the Save the Marriage system. You can find that at savethemarriage.com. That's savethemarriage.com. I will offer you, in the midst of the process of, of signing up for that, a free week of my VIP program. That's the time you get it. Uh, sometimes people come back and say, hey, I heard you talk about that on the podcast. Well, the reason you didn't get that free week is because you turned it down. You either have to sign up for it and accept it. I don't trick you into it. I don't fool you into taking it. I offer it. If you don't offer it or if you don't accept it, it's gone. But you have that opportunity when you grab the system. And you can always join later but not for that free week. So you can find that at savethemarriage.com. And that's where the system is. That also, along the way, we want to make sure you get started the best you can. And so we'll do a get started session with one of my coaches. It's kind of a mini session to get you going, make sure you've got all the resources you need and you have the right approach. If you're interested in that, remember, start at savethemarriage.com. That's savethemarriage.com. And this is Lee Balkum wishing you the best as you work to save your marriage. You've been listening to Save the Marriage Podcast. For more information and help, please visit us at savethemarriage.com. Thank you.